0: Hello, and welcome back to Conversations at Jack Rabbit Slims. And this is actually a conversation I'm really, really looking forward to because I'm connecting with somebody that I met through sort of a unique situation. So we'll get to that after the introduction, but it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Pat Fournies. Pat, welcome.
1: Hi. Well, I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah, excellent. So um, before we talk a little bit about you, I think it's kind of cool how we sort of connected. We are both members of the Tarantino sub over at Reddit. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what thread it was. But on occasion, I tend to like to plug my podcast. And, um, you know, you took the initiative to sort of reach out and say, Hey, I'm a podcaster, I'd I'd love to come on the show, which is exactly what I want people to do with this show. So uh, thank you for taking that initiative.
1: Oh, cool. I-, I wasn't sure if it was okay. Like I, I was going to say thanks for inviting me, but I invited myself actually. <laughs> so I-, I wasn't sure if it was okay, if it was good etiquette. I sent you a little private message and I said, okay, uh, I'm a podcaster. I- I'm really into Tarantino, obviously, and I'd love to be on your show. So there we go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that happens more because um, I, you know, I love talking to my friends and fellow podcasters that I've podcasted with before, but I love connecting with people that I don't know. So, uh, very, very cool hat. Sweet. Like we said, you're a fellow podcaster and your podcast is a little unique. Um, first of all, I want to commend you for, um, you're coming up on like, I think 120 episodes of your podcast. And as mm-hmm. a, a podcaster, I know how difficult podcasting is and how underappreciated the amount of work there is. So, uh, congrats on hundred plus episodes. Thanks. Your podcast—it's surrounding beer, and it's also in the French language. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure, absolutely. Actually, uh, this is uh, this episode right now that we're talking on is the first time a podcast in English. So oh, cool. wow!
0: <laughs> I'm nice. pretty excited. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Guess that on a bunch of uh, French podcasts before. Podcasts like from Belgium, from Quebec, but but never from uh, America, never a, a U.S. podcast. So that's that's really cool. I'm excited about that. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about my, uh, my show. It's called B News USA. So I don't know in the Venn diagram of the people that listen to conversations at Jack Rabbit Slams and people who would be interested, you know, my show. I don't know if they overlap, but I'll explain what it is. My co host and I are French expats. We've been living in Louisiana for like 18 years. He's been living here 17, I've been living here 18. And what we do is we try a, a different beer every week. We also give our uh, traveling uh, advice, traveling tips for uh, people from Europe and mainly France and Belgium who travel to the US and kind of, you know, little, little do's and don'ts, uh, you know, don't be surprised if this happens. And if you get stopped by the cops, uh, you should do this instead of what you do in France, etc., etc. So, you know, little, little, tips like that. Also just stuff like, you know, you can find uh, over here, you can find ice at, the, at a truck stop or at a gas station or you know, stuff like that that we don't, we don't have in France. Right. And then after that, we kind of share, you know, Stuff we like, like this week, one of us discover like a cool YouTube channel or a cool movie or, or anything. It could be anything. So we just share that, which kind of enables us to to talk about random subjects and not just beer, you know and then after that, usually uh, a music section because we, uh, we we like like outlaw country kind of alternative uh, country music. So we kinda uh, expose our listeners to, to some some cool new bands and new artists in that genre. And at the end, we have the Cajun expression of the week because, uh, of course, Cajun French is, is a different flavor, different, uh, you know, it's, it's different from French French and, and French that's uh, spoken in Europe, of course. You know, the do a little uh, Cajun French expression and then to round it off and that's it. That's that's our show, usually about an hour. And it's we, we really don't take ourselves seriously. We were kind of goofy and, I mean, we're professional. I, I pride myself in, in producing like a good-sounding podcast with good rhythm. But we can't, we're kind of goofy. We're we goofing off. We're not, we're not taking ourselves seriously. So it's called B-News USA. B-News is a French slang for beer. Oh, okay. In B-News, it means like a little, a little a brew, you know, a brewski kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. And USA, of course, because we're in the U.S. So yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I'll include a link in the show notes. So if people uh, are French speakers, they can check out the show. And uh, you said you're in Louisiana. You, I think privately you told me you're, what, like 40 minutes outside of New Orleans?
1: Right, uh, we're about halfway between New Orleans and the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, so,
0: yeah, I've been to New Orleans once, and uh, what a great city, man! I, I mean, know. it's funny uh, living here in Las Vegas. You know, I'm exposed to a lot of great restaurants and uh, and uh, you know things like that. But the food game in New Orleans is just like a whole nother level.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And one of the things I love about New Orleans is it's a melting pot, but like a real melting pot. You have French influence, you have Spanish you have a lot of, uh, Italian, uh, you know, descendants from, uh, from Italian people, Irish, a big uh, Irish population. Not, not many people know that like, uh, St. Patrick's day in New Orleans is, is a, it's almost as big as Mardi Gras. Oh, wow. Plus you have, of course, you know, African uh, roots with gumbo and stuff like that. So it all blends together and it's, it's awesome. I, I love this area.
0: Yeah. When we went, we went in like December, so it was a pretty quiet time of year. Mm-hmm. And, um, I couldn't imagine Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras because it was packed and we went to a Saints game and the Saints were long out of the uh, playoff oh. picture. But I got to tell you, that was one of my favorite sports experiences, oh, yeah. sitting in that dome, eating gumbo and hush puppies. Man, what a
1: what a, what a cool experience. I know, right? <laughs> Next time you got to try the alligator sausage. Uh,
0: yeah, okay, yeah. I, I do know <laughs> we tried a lot of food. I think I had rattlesnake at Ooh. one of our stops. But yeah, um, I, I also think, Pat, there is a Tarantino connection to New Orleans. Is there still a, a studio there in the city? I know, if memory serves, he filmed at a studio in New Orleans, uh, Django Unchained.
1: Well, he filmed on location, actually, uh, at a plantation. Mm-hmm. And when I watched the, the movie, I'm like, I know that plantation. Like I passed, I passed in front of it many, many times, and I'm like, that's got to be it. And then I checked on Google, I was like, for sure.
0: I think it's Silver Cup Studios, I want to say.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not uh, sure because I, I know the locations like there's old slave houses, barracks uh, right by where I live. Uh, yeah. They also were featured in Ray, a movie about Ray Charles. Okay. They were also in, uh, what's that movie with uh, Robert De Niro and um, Angel Heart.
0: Okay, Angel Heart, yeah.
1: Yes. So Angel Heart, that whole part with Lisa Bonet and, and all that, that's uh, 13 Years a Slave. It's also in that same area. Uh, with, it's that old uh, slave barracks, old slave houses, and it's been featured in a lot of movies. So yeah, uh, Django Unchained was, was filmed. Uh, but actually, one of my lifelong dreams was to be an extra in a, in a, a movie set, like on, on, in a movie. And I'm a big Tarantino fan, obviously. So when, whenever I saw po- uh, pop up on Facebook that they were looking for extras for Django Unchained, I'm like, okay. Uh, Western movies are like kind of like my favorite type of movies. Tarantino's yeah. my favorite. Uh, they're filming right next to my, my house. I'm like, I have to be in it. So I clicked the link, and they were looking for African-Americans only with no tattoos. I'm like, well, I guess I'm out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you tried. You tried. I know yeah. uh, Louisiana is a is a great state for filmmaking. I know they give yes. a lot of tax incentives. Oh, yeah. So a lot of movies have been filmed there. Absolutely. I know when we went, we also crossed – Crossed the water and went to I think it's the Old Point. It's like one of the most filmed bars in the South. Oh yeah, they filmed The Expendables. That was like their hangout. But yeah, what a cool town! And it's cool that there's a a Tarantino connection there. So Pat, you said that you're you've been here in the states for 18 years. So when Pulp Fiction came out, you were living overseas. Can you sort of tell me a little bit about what the cinema experience was when you know like an American film came out in your local theater?
1: Absolutely. When Pulp Fiction came out, I had just turned 18 and I was into movies, you know, but kind of like most people, kind of like mainstream movies. I wasn't really into, uh, you know, uh, independent movies or anything. And I saw it at a ski resort that my parents used to have an apartment there and we used to spend every vacation there. Mm -hmm. And It's a little ski resort and it has a cinema that's got one screen. And it has a, a, a nightclub in the same building. Just, oh. I guess it's the same person that owns both. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like the nightclub. It's like a cave. Uh, it's like you're inside of a cave. It's super cool. Anyway, I, I love that place. It's called Les Angles for, for people who have uh, been there. So I was I had just turned 18 and my friends and I went to the movies and we like, let's watch a movie uh, let's go watch a movie tonight and the, they were showing that night I saw the poster Pulp Fiction Quentin I'm like Quentin who I had no idea who he was and I'm like yeah sure let's, yeah yeah let's, let's, let's go so we uh, we bought our tickets we sat down and then the introduction scene I'm like whoa this this is different this is pretty cool and then when the, the music started I'm like okay I think I'm in for, <laughs> for the ride I'm in for, for crazy ride and I remember distinctly the two times in the movie, the two scenes that kind of grabbed me and told me, "Hey, this is a different kind of movie you're watching." Mm-hmm. The first one was the when they go into uh, the basement and the, uh, the the pawn shop. The Pawn guy. shop, yep, yep. Yeah. Up until then, I, you know, you watch Hollywood movies, and at the beginning, you see that the, that guy's the good guy, that guy's the bad guy, and then you know, you kind of you kind of predict what's what's going to go on in the movie, or you know, boy meets girl and girl can't stand boy. And by the end of the movie, they, you know, they fall in love, blah, blah. And, but this was different. Like you saw Butch and, you know, he was, he was, he was about to kill Marcellus and all of a sudden a hundred, like 180 degree turn They're in the basement with a ball gag and, <laughs> and looking at each other. I'm like, what is this movie? <laughs> What's going on here? That's when I, that's when I thought, okay, this filmmaker and the guy who wrote the script, He's playing with the uh, with the viewer like a cat with a mouse. Mm-hmm. But I'm in good hands. And the other uh, scene that did that to me was a scene that was early in the movie is the scene where you first see Butch and it's all uh, greens, uh, let's stay together. is playing in the background and you hear Marcellus's voice, but you don't see him. Yeah. And it's just Butch's face that has almost no reaction. No, like he's not saying anything. He's just listening to somebody you can't see. And the scene, the shot, Is lasting way too long. Like in any movie, that's never going to happen. And I was watching that in the movie movie theater, and I remember thinking, okay, this is a different kind of movie. This is a different kind of director, and I like this because it's not predictable because he's taking you for a ride, and you don't know where it's going. This is fun. And and after that, I mean, when I came out, uh, we went to, uh, directly to the uh, nightclub that was in the same building and we asked the DJ if he had the soundtrack. He said, of course. So he played <laughs> Dick Dale and me and a, a female friend, we we did the dance, but it was the Dick Dale I ain't close enough, you know. <laughs> but, uh, so it was like, I'm all in. Like, I, I, I just, I just, like you're from Vegas. Uh, uh, you get the reference. I, I was all in. Like, I took all my chips and I'm like, Tarantino's my guy. That's it. This, he just opened for me like this whole new world of movies where you can have a guy that's actually got a purpose and he's not playing by the, you know the the Hollywood codes or yeah. anything, and after that, you know, I rented uh, the Reservoir Dogs. Of course, I rented uh, True Romance, which is to this day my favorite movie of all time. Right. And then after that, I was with a, a connection with Robert Rodriguez uh-huh. with, uh, from Dust Till Dawn, Desperado. Yep. And they they were my guys. That was it. That was like my my, my two my two guys. So I I've, I've been a fan ever since. So yeah, I remember seeing that movie and those two scenes, I was like, okay, this is a different kind of movie and I'm liking this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I'm two years older than you and our experiences are so similar in the sense that it was sort of like a cinematic awakening, if you will, and sort of like, you know, really getting me involved in the art of filmmaking. And the one thing I really like about Tarantino is his restraint. And like you said, holding on shots, just doing things that are, you know, that other filmmakers wouldn't really have the patience to do. Right. And I think it works so great in Pulp Fiction. Now, when you saw it there in the theater, when American Films came out, did they have subtitles or were they dubbed?
1: Unfortunately, they were dubbed.
0: Okay. So that's got to be sort of an interesting experience.
1: Well, at the time, I was used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have more movie houses that play movies in, in English with subtitles. But back then it was very rare. We had one in the in place that I went to college, Avignon, which is actually they have a, a festival of American movies. And that's where uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, met Maria de Medeiros, they plays uh, Fabian. Okay. That's where he met her and he decided that she was his Fabian for, for the movie. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I had a a radio show at uh, at the campus uh, radio station, and one of my friends knew the guy that was uh, organizing the uh, the festival, and he he used to talk, "Oh, Quentin," and uh, like they were on first name (laughs) basis. And my firm is like, "Oh my god, he's on first name basis with Quentin," (laughs) you know, like he was was fanboy. Yeah. So long, long story short, uh, long answer. uh, Yeah, they they dubbed and. I was used to it at the time, and now there's there's no way I could watch I could watch the movies anymore, you know.
0: Yeah. Now, w- were there like noticeable voice actors that you would you know sort of hear from movie to movie? Like I know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, like, whoever was doing the voice of of Travolta, you'd heard in other movies
1: before. I think so. Uh, the one I know for sure is uh, Bruce Willis. The same guy dubbed all Bruce Willis's movies. Uh, same with Sylvester Stallone. Like you would go see a Stallone movie. It was the always the same guy. Time.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 cool. Uh, yeah. but at least there's a continuity there. So that's like the voice you associate with the person, right?
1: And those are good. Like they're really good. I got to give it to them. It's it's no longer my thing, but but for nostalgia's uh, sake, I, I'd like to get my hands on like Rocky with with the original French dubbing that I watched when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. For nostalgia's sake, you know, because they really did a good job with those uh, with those. Voice actors like they're they really actors you know and that's that's something I really like like with podcasting and stuff that's you know you, you relate to that to, to voice acting
0: oh absolutely, absolutely. I want to sort of just stay on this sort of overseas aspect of mm-hmm. seeing the movie was there things that you sort of were surprised with. You know, there's the scene in the car where Jules and Vincent are talking about Amsterdam and, you know, Vince is sort of giving Jules a lesson on how things are different. Did that mm-hmm. like jump out at you as being like, wow, so Americans don't know this?
1: Right, <laughs> because and and this is true, of course, uh, you can get a beer at McDonald's in France. Mm-hmm. And I remember first time I brought my stepson uh, to Paris and he's, we sat at the McDonald's and he ordered his and he was like 17, 18 at the time. He ordered his uh, Big Mac meal with a beer. He was like all giddy, like he couldn't believe it. <laughs> but and and it's sixteen sixty four Konumbur 664 uh, It's it's not a bad beer. Like it's it's mainstream. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like Heineken kind of deal. But it's it's not bad at all. It's not a bad beer. And and yes, you you can totally. I, I've never been to uh, Amsterdam, but I imagine. Uh, yeah, that's that's the stories you hear about the hash bars and all that. But what was funny was. I didn't realize it at the time, but thinking back on it, the scene, the dialogue when he's talking about, oh, in France, we call the royal cheese and all that. Well, that's true, but they were saying that in French, which is kind of weird. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's kind of like my, my dad always used to say, like you watch Western movies and the Indians and the cowboys are speaking French. That's kind of weird, but you know, <laughs> but that's, that's like the suspension of disbelief on top of suspension of disbelief, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that. That's funny. You had mentioned um, Fabian. Was it obvious that she was French to you as a viewer? Uh,
1: Well, it's not a little bit. Yeah. It, there's one sentence that she says in French, uh, mon amour, something like that. Right, when, right. Yeah. And that when she said that, I'm like, well, actually, I didn't notice because it was all in French. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not even sure that the voice actress did an accent. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. It was lost in translation, literally, because uh, she didn't have a different accent because she. Everybody was French, the voice actors. So it, it's only when I saw it in, in you know in in English that I realized, oh yeah, okay, she's so she's doing French accent. I'm not even sure she's French. I think she's part Portuguese. Am I am I am I wrong in assuming that?
0: I don't think so. I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to go back and look. But I remember when I first looked her up as an actress, I, I don't think that she was. Fully
1: French. I think she's part of uh, Portuguese. I looked uh, earlier preparing for uh, for the show today. I, I looked at some of the alternative uh, uh, actresses that uh, Quentin Tarantino was thinking about. And some of those are French actresses. And I, I don't know. Fabienne is kind of like the, the character that I'm the least fond of in the movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And the actress, I just don't believe that Bruce Willis would date her in real life. I just I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's actually funny because um, Roger Avery, who got a story by credit on this movie, Mm -hmm. um, and we could probably at some point go into Roger Avery and his relationship with Tarantino, but we may or may not know that Roger Avery wrote and directed a movie that Tarantino produced called Killing Zoe, which takes place in France Mm -hmm. and is about a bank robbery. But Roger Avery was really, really mad because apparently in the original versions of the Pulp Fiction script, the Fabian character was not French and Roger Avery thinks that Tarantino sort of stole (laughs) the nationality from, from him for that character. So it's interesting to sort of wonder what that character would have been like before she was French. But I do know a lot of people that will say that that whole Bruce Willis segment of the movie is their least favorite and that she by far is the most annoying character in the movie. But that was kind of what she was there for. But I do agree with you that, you know, there's probably a little chance that Butch in real life would have put up with her.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't seem. But I mean, sometimes you see couples and you think to, in real life and you think to yourself, I don't know what she sees in him and vice versa. Like it, that, that happens in real life. So I don't know. But I know one of the actresses that was like his second or third choice was Julie Delpy, which is really a really gorgeous uh, French actress.
0: Yeah. And she was in Killing Zoe right yeah and the richard Linkletter movies uh before sunrise before sunset those all those movies
1: yeah so yeah i don't know but that's the thing to me pop fiction is close to perfect and if we change that is, is that does that make it a different movie you know it's like oh yeah totally you don't want to mess with you know you know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, no, I totally get what you're saying there. So you sort of indicated that, you know, the two scenes in the, in the movie that really jumped out at you uh, the first time you saw the film. Um, are there any scenes that as you watch the movie now are ones that you really look forward to? Or is it those same scenes?
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> can, <laughs> can I take a minute? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I rewatched it yesterday. Um, well, of course, Jackrabbit Slims. Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm all into the 50s and the 60s culture and stuff. So uh, everything that's, you know, El- I'm a big Elvis Presley fan like uh, Tarantino is and, and Ricky Nelson and all that stuff. So to me, Jackrabbit Slams, if it existed in real life, I-, I, would, I would be there like a lot. Like that, that, that would be a place that I would abso- absolutely love. So that scene, I absolutely love that scene. Great music, of course. Not Dick Dale, but um, oh, what's, what's the name of that song? The one that plays in the background.
0: A Lonesome Town by Ricky Nelson.
1: Right, but yeah. the instrumental also rumble, but okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, look great. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, all that stuff. And actually I think I heard all that music because of Tarantino because when I remember when the movie came out, you had to go see it, but you also had to buy the soundtrack. And Absolutely. the soundtrack, everybody in my age group, and all my friends had the soundtrack. And it's like your cool uncle from America made you a mixtape. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like I've had people like that in my life. When I was young, I befriended a guy that was uh, older than me. I was in middle school, and he gave me like, Who's Next, uh, Led Zeppelin 1, J.J. Kale, uh, you know, and stuff like that, and, and stuff that nobody would in my circle would have ever knew about. Right. And he gave me those tapes, and that kind of like opened me to, to music. And and Tarantino kind of did that for me for movies, and also with, with the soundtrack. And it's such, like, I listened to the soundtrack again today. It's a mix of 60s, 70s, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's not really, it's not really, it's not like somebody's okay. I'm gonna make you a, a 1960s uh, mixtape. Well, then you know, Cool and the Gang wouldn't be in there, and you know, yeah. so it, it's kind of like, but it fits. Like it, it all fits into that that world, and it, it's it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's another one of the strengths that Tarantino has as a filmmaker is his approach to music and how he uses it in film. And I think that the opening credits, where you sort of go from the radio dial pretty much changing songs mm-hmm. is like a, an audible cue that this movie is going to give you something a little different. It's funny, Pat. The question I was going to ask you that I sort of ask everybody from sort of the Mia Wallace list of questions was mm-hmm. um, whether you were a, a, an Elvis guy or a Beatles guy. But obviously you answered that question. Right.
1: <laughs> I like the Beatles, but but gun to my head it's Elvis. Yeah. I got married in Las Vegas my wife and I we were thinking of places to get married and she's like, well, how about we just elope and go to Vegas together and just get married there? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, but she's like, where? And I'm like, I have no clue. Neither of us have ever been to Vegas before. So I'm like, okay, Google, uh, where did Elvis uh, get married and Priscilla get married? Uh, so it was the Latin. And so I, I Googled it. Uh, Do they still have a little chapel there? And can we still get mar- yeah. married there? And it's like, yes. So we booked, we booked the chapel, never been to uh, Las Vegas before. And so we got there, we got our marriage license and and went to the, you know, got married at the Aladdin. Oh, wow. And, and I got to this day, my wedding ring is a horseshoe, a diamond horseshoe, like Elvis. And was like, well, hey, it's good enough for Elvis. You know? <laughs> because when you've never been to Las Vegas and you're looking for a place to get married, it's like, uh, it's embarrassment of riches like where are you going to go like which one are you going to pick so yeah that's what we picked and I think a few weeks or months after that they closed the chapel there so we were one of the last couples to, to get married in uh, at the Aladdin
0: oh oh wow yeah and and it's no longer the Aladdin it's now Planet Hollywood which oh. um, does have a connection to Pulp Fiction because Bruce Willis at one point was a okay. owner in Planet Hollywood I have an Elvis connection too uh, we got married here in, in Las Vegas of course and we got married in the same chapel that Elvis and Ann Margaret got married at in the movie Viva Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> the Little Church of the West, which uh-huh. uh, it's in a different location now. It's it's sort of moved. They've sort of picked it up and moved it a couple times mm-hmm. um, over the years. But I think it's been around since the, I want to say the 1940s here in Las Vegas. And tons of people have gotten married there. Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, wow. Just all kinds of people, but it's funny that we both have an Elvis connection yeah. to uh, to getting married, and we both got married. Uh, oh, that's here, cool! Here in Las Vegas. Yeah. Well, my first
1: trip to the U.S. was to Memphis, Tennessee. I, that, that's how big of an Elvis uh, fan I was. I mean, I, I still love him, obviously, but at the time, I was I was really into him, and and I wanted to go to Memphis and go to Sun Studio and Graceland. So that was my first trip to the U.S. Actually, in 1998.
0: Mm-hmm. And that sort of explains why True Romance is your favorite movie, because Elvis is basically a character in that movie. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> a, a True Romance has everything I love, which is 90s movies, which, you know, when, when you're from our generation, 90s movies were what you what you remember most, you know, as a teenager, you discovered movies. And that was that, that's the movies that were at the time. So I, I think like the, the the time you grow up, those movies, it's like they they have a special place in your heart. So of course, Tarantino wrote the script. You know, Tony Scott, no slouch as, as a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Patricia Arquette, I mean, what's not to love? Patricia right. Arquette is, is awesome. It yeah, still is. Uh, it's it's just yeah, true romance is absolutely absolutely. I mean, it, 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 just the cast that you just read the cast and you don't believe that's actually in the same movie. That whole cast is in the same movie. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's unreal. Like yeah, you know, Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper. Yeah. just Gary Oldman. Yeah, Gary yeah. Oldman, Brad Pitt who steals the show he's, he had no lines in the original script almost and he steals the, every scene he's in i mean it's just it's ridiculous
0: yeah that's a movie that i have to credit for also introducing me to Sonny Chiba and the street fighter movies
1: mm-hmm. and it's totally tarantino clarence is tarantino oh yeah he's admitted to it like uh, the clarence works in a, a comic store and, and tarantino worked at a uh, you know video uh, archive uh, but it's it's totally him
0: yeah, it's been a while since I've read the original script, but I do believe that the sequencing of the script is is different. In, correct. In Tarantino's script, obviously it's a Tarantino script, so it jumps around a little bit. And Tony Scott sort of just made everything linear, which
1: correct. It's it's actually I'm uh, I'm reading it right now, and and that's I, I've always uh, read that that the, the sequencing was different. But I'm re- I'm reading the script uh, right now, and yeah, it's totally different uh, the way Tarantino wrote it at the beginning. You don't you don't understand anything that's going on. Like yeah. it just jumps. It just jumps. So so the the um uh, the way he did it, the characters know more than you about the story in the first third. The second third, you know uh, uh, about the same as the the characters do, and at the end, you know more than the than the characters.
0: Yeah, Tarantino's approach to script writing. I've I've covered it on this show before. You know, he tries to make his his script's sort of a standalone thing, and then the movie becomes the movie. So if you're listening and you've never read a Tarantino script, I, I'd advise you to search out the Pulp Fiction script. It's still in print. Mm-hmm. You can go on Amazon and buy it. But also, um, I think I've read... The Reservoir Dogs script, uh, the True Royale script, Pulp Fiction script, the Jackie Brown script. And I don't think I read any after that. Like, I don't think I ever searched out, like, the Kill Bill scripts. I don't know if those were ever officially published or not. But, um, yeah, those early Tarantino scripts are great reads. Have you seen, Pat, at being the Elvis guy, I'm I'm curious, Mm -hmm. um, the Golden Girls episode that Tarantino was
1: on? I have seen that shot. I, I've seen yeah. the picture. I've seen the picture of Tarantino in in the gold lamé. I think he's got the gold lamé uh, suit. He's he's in the church, but I've never seen the episode. No, I, I, yeah. I, is he more than that? Like, does he does he have a talking role? I, I
0: I don't believe so. Um, I, <laughs> I it's been years, but I, I, there's just a uh, multiple Elvises, and I think. The thing was Tarantino's approach was like, I'm going to go with like the cool, like you said, he wears like, yeah. Whereas everybody was sort of going with like the Vegas, you know, Elvis, Mm -hmm. which again, the big cliche. Yeah. Again, that's Tarantino for you. Of course he's going to, he's going to do it his way. So, um, Pat, this was a, was an awesome discussion. I I really liked um, getting your perspective on things as a viewer of the movie originally overseas before we wrap things up. Is there any sort of final thoughts you have on Pulp Fiction?
1: well um it's obviously a great movie uh, otherwise you know we wouldn't be here talking about it, it it's I, I don't know I, I, i'd have to uh ask you what you if if it's your favorite tarantino movie I, it, it used to be i think it still is my favorite and i think once upon a time in hollywood is slowly crawling yep. <laughs> on its leg and it's like hey you know we're,
0: we're on the same exact page pat um okay. I, you know um I kind of fell out with Tarantino a little bit, probably like after the Kill Bill movies. Yeah, for whatever reason, like Inglorious Bastards and even Django didn't really resonate with me. And I've since watched Django again, and um, it, it played a lot better for me. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was really the film that I watched, and it, it felt like a nice sort of cousin. To Pulp Fiction and mm-hmm. I I just love the feel of that movie I love the performances in that movie yeah. and you know I said on an earlier episode that you know it's the movie that I kind of feel like Tarantino got his groove back on and I don't know if that's entirely true but it was the movie where I got my Tarantino groove back I agree
1: <laughs> I agree because I went except for Kill Bill I've seen them all in theaters from Pulp Fiction to uh, to now and I love Django and I have this connection cause it was shot, you know, down, down yeah. here. Uh-huh. And I, I absolutely love, uh, uh you know, uh, spaghetti Western movies and all that. So I, I was all in for Django. I liked, uh, I, I liked hateful eight. I can't mm-hmm. say I love it. I mm-hmm. like it. I, I, I saw it in the theater. I saw the, uh, 70 uh, millimeter, uh, oh, wow. roadshow. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it. I can't say I, I mean, I'm in love with it, but, once upon a time in Hollywood. Once I saw that, I, I had to go see it again. And when the DVD came out, like I, I'm—I don't know how many times I've watched that movie, and I can't wait till uh, it's supposed to be the four-hour uh, cut that's supposed to come to Netflix.
0: I've been waiting for that announcement.
1: Oh my god! And like I could watch 24 hours, 48 hours of of those stories, and, and I just—I'm in love with that movie. So I'm, I'm like you. I, I kind of got my, my my Tarantino groove back. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Kill Bale. Uh, uh, I think they came out when I first moved here, like in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't go see it in the theater and I'm not a big uh, martial arts uh, fan. So I kind of, I don't really get the movie uh, that much. Uh, I, I did go see um, the double feature uh, Grindhouse. Oh. That, that was amazing.
0: Oh, goodness, I saw that in theaters more times oh. than I can remember. It was, and, and it really hurt me that the movie didn't, it wasn't a success because I don't think moviegoers understood what they were getting. They were getting two feature length films for the price of one and they mm-hmm. were getting all these cool, it was just a, a great, great experience. It was and, amazing. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm so happy that they, you know, it's years ago at this point, but they finally put out the complete theatrical experience on Blu-ray. So, uh, you know, I, I had the two separate movies on DVD for years, but I want to say like in, 2011 or 2012 they actually put out the the full the the full grindhouse experience so uh, but if you
1: if you just watch death proof at your house it's not the same no (laughs) it's not the same at all i I went seeing in theater with my uh, brother-in-law and to this day we still talk about it like every time we mention it it's like it's like we we talking about like old times you Uh know it's like oh my god it was so amazing the the previews and it's it was just a great night at the movies and if you missed it, well, and, and I feel bad for people in Europe because I don't think that they was- They got that. Sh- I don't think they got that in Europe. So that's why, like, I, I was actually a, a guest on on a couple of uh, podcasts that we, we talked about Tarantino. We kind of did like a top five, you know, uh, uh, top top five best Tarantino movies and, and they're like, ah, uh, Death Proof, blah. I'm like, Guys, if y'all would have been in America <laughs> when that came out, and y'all would have bought your ticket, and y'all would have f- spent a whole night with all the crazy fake trailers and yeah. and, and the, just the crazy night, y'all would have been like, "That was awesome." Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of feel bad that Death Proof kind of you know got got shoved into the the bottom of, of his of his uh, uh, you know top ten, and he's he's even came out and said that he's he's not too fond of it.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a shame and I and I really wonder, Pat, if that's just tied to to the to how well it did or didn't do. Because Probably. I I think in terms of what he was attempting to do. You know, it, it's a Tarantino, quote unquote, slasher movie. Yes. Um, and again, you know, when you hear that, you know that it's not going to be a typical slasher film. And you've got this great Kurt Russell performance and you've got the crazy, crazy car stunts at the oh end of that God. movie, which, you know, was kind of a throwback to the 70s. You know, yes. Nowadays, in a you know, we see Fast and the Furious movies and all those cars, you know, they're doing crazy CGI things you know that real cars can't do and tarantino like every frame of that was real cars and you know zoe bell was really on the hood of that car
1: the white challenger Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah so um yeah i mean it's not my favorite but like you said it's kind of the experience that you had as part of grindhouse
1: it's an amazing movie. I, I drive a white Challenger uh, just because of that movie. <laughs> oh
0: wow, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> RT. Yeah, yeah. Like the and I love Vanishing Point. So if okay, that's that's the thing. Also, some people miss sometimes because mm-hmm. they don't have the references. Right. So if you haven't seen Vanishing Point yeah well, you know okay why well, you got a white car and then uh, okay well why uh, kind of like people that went see uh, uh, once upon a time in hollywood and they were like i don't know why they, they spent so long on that blonde that we went see that movie and i'm like oh right. gosh yeah. y'all missed it when y'all saw cielo drive y'all had, like y'all they didn't connect no no idea no i didn't know what that was oh yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all missed it you know so <laughs> you kind of have to have background knowledge to, to, to you know uh, about my parents uh, my parents love Django Unchained so they my parents love uh, they love Green Book for example so they love that kind of like racial you know uh, mm-hmm. uh struggle kind of th- kind of theme so they, they all into that so they love Django Unchained so absolutely loved it so uh, I told them well y'all have to watch uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then I I talked to them afterwards and they're like, oh, yeah, we watched that for about 10, 15 minutes and we turned it off. I'm like, why? (laughs) And then I explained the Manson family and Sharon Tate and all that. So then they were like, oh, so my mom tried again and she loved it. But you have to have that background knowledge to, to, to get into the movie. Because, of course, if you've never heard of Sharon Tate and you watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you don't understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Pat, this was a really, really great conversation. And I, and I hope at some point we get to talk again, uh, because I, I had a lot of fun. So, um, me too. Again, is, is, uh, aside from your podcast, is there any other presence online you want to let people know about?
1: Well, um, uh, not really. I, I, I forgot to mention something. Can I, I, I mention one little thing that I wanted to talk about and that I didn't get to. Absolutely. It's the way that, uh, Tarantino likes to uh, raise the stakes with the story. Mm-hmm. The, the, the story with Tony uh, Rocky Horror. Yes, with, with the foot massage. <laughs> when that's that's random in the movie, but it comes up with, like it raises the stakes when the date uh, ends up in uh, 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 Mia ends up ODing, and if Marcellus threw a guy uh, uh, through a play, you know, through a window because he gave uh, Mia a massage. Imagine what he's going to do to Vincent if she ODs. So that raises the stakes. And he's he's done that again in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with that Bruce Lee scene, which I think a lot of people miss. They miss the point of that scene. Mm -hmm. The the point of that scene is Cliff Booth is not scared of anybody. Cliff Booth will fight Bruce Lee uh, just because Uh he's not scared. So when the Manson family shows up to the house, then the stakes are raised, and then you're like, "Oh, it's about to go down because Cliff is not afraid." Yeah,
0: and he's <laughs> also just, tripping balls.
1: Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then you're waving a gun in his face, and you and you think you're gonna you scare him. Watch out! So that's what I, that's one of the things I like about Tarantino. He 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 puts a little uh, uh you know like a, a checkoffs uh, uh gun early in the movie, and it yeah. pays off, and it just raises the stakes. That's just such smart writing!
0: It is, yeah, I, I agree with you there because that is a detail that you know is in the back of Vincent's mind when she ODs.
1: Of course. Yeah. So that's that's just smart writing because the foot massage speech, like you're like, okay, why are we talking about foot massage here? But it, but it, it pays off anyway. So uh, you asked me about my online. Um, that's pretty much it, really. Uh, Be News USA is, is my uh, French uh, language podcast. We talk about beer. We talk about Louisiana culture. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff and, and we don't take ourselves seriously. We're kind of goofy, but uh, I pride myself on, on putting out a good sounding, uh, good paced podcast nonetheless. So yeah, if, if you speak French, if you understand French, if you like beer, B News USA is, is, uh, is, should, should be something to check out. That's about it. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, no, it's my pleasure. And again, I'll include a link to the podcast. And again, congrats on having a uh, hundred plus episodes of the podcast.
1: Thanks. We have listeners all around the world, which is awesome. And and actually, uh, like a year ago started, uh, uh, listeners send us beers from their area. So that's really cool.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, again, Pat, uh, hopefully we're able to chat again at some point, but, um, you know, we'll we'll end this one. And and again, I'll just, uh, you know, thank you for for taking the time to sit down.
1: Thanks for having me, Craig. Anytime.